what's really beautiful is when you go to the seaplane base, it's a tree canopied park, essentially. It's a very laid back area. There's a lot fewer people. There's a lot less noise and, and other things going on. And there's a lot less bombardment of your senses. And so what we always say, it's just a beautiful place to go relax and get away from, you know, get a little sanctuary from the main show when you need it. G'day and welcome everyone to episode number 57 of On The Step with that Mallard guy. I'm your host, Dan Bolton. On The Step is all about float planes and flying boats. To get in contact with me, my email is hotmail.com, or you can follow me on Instagram and send me a message at thatmallardguy. And we have a couple of new patrons to shout out who are supporting On The Step financially. Welcome to John Bird, who was on this year's Mallard Safari. Thanks for your support, John. I know you are getting into seaplanes and hearing these stories from our industry is inspiring you to purchase your own seaplane in the not too distant future, hopefully, mate. So good on you for coming and supporting On The Step. And we also have Charlotte Dadswell, who is a listener from the UK. Looks like she does a lot of tailwheel flying. Hopefully she can get into some float flying soon if she isn't already. Thanks, Charlotte, for supporting On The Step and to both John and Charlotte. You have both joined up as Super Cub tier members. Good on you both. Now, I also want to shout out to my two top-tier Grumman Mallard captain members, Alex Fisher and Brett Thompson. Thanks, fellas, for your support as well. Folks, don't forget to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts after reaching 100 written reviews and me not mentioning that goal anymore. The reviews have slowed down a little bit. Now, don't make me set another goal for you all. You know that I will do it. Don't you worry. Just jump on, leave a review now. It really helps the show grow. It's much appreciated. That's Apple Podcast Written Reviews. All right, folks, it's time to get on with the show, and it's that time of the year. It's Oshkosh 2021. It's upon us now, and one of the coolest parts of the show is obviously the seaplane base. Now, if you've never been before, just like me, or you're gearing up to go, Today, I speak with Seaplane Pilots Association President Steve McCaughey about the show from a seaplane aspect and what you can expect to see at this year's event. Now, I've already had Mr. Cessna Tour Jason McDowell uh, tag me in an Insta story regarding the radial mallard that is there at AirVenture. If you see that mallard, let me know you're at the show. Give me a shout out and let me know you're thinking of me stuck down under, not allowed to escape to join you lucky buggers. For now, folks, let's wander down to the seaplane base. Escaping the crowds and finding some peace amongst the water and trees, we'll enjoy the serenity of the seaplane pilot lifestyle amongst the lagoon full of moored aircraft. Joining a boat ride to view the floating wonders, we'll spot another incoming arrival, touching down to join the party on the step. Right engine is turning. 12% fuel. A lot. Alrighty, welcome back to On The Step, the Executive Director of the Seaplane Pilots Association, Mr. Steve McCaw. How are you going, Steve? I'm doing great, Daniel. Great to be back. Yeah, mate. You're the first uh, return guest of the show and um, actually on the podcast that I've released. You know, we had a bit of a chat, you and I, uh, only a few months ago at the Australian Seaplane Pilots Association Conference, the biannual conference, uh, yeah. which went down really well. Um was the opening presentation, which was pretty cool. So this is actually your third time talking to me in, in an interview style. You and I 
we talk a fair bit uh, behind the scenes anyway due to our mutual love of seaplanes. But yes. um, yeah, great to have you back on the show, mate. How you been? I have been busy and happy. Uh, it's good to be busy, so uh, yeah. uh, it's been awesome. How, how's it? You know, last time we spoke, obviously, it was which was near, nearly a year ago now. Uh, I think it was August last year that uh, I had you first on the show. Uh, so lots, lots happened since then. Uh, and obviously, we talked about in that episode about you know how COVID was affecting the SPA and and what you were doing. Like you said, you were turning lemons into uh, lemonade. Yeah. Eliminate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, now things have kind of changed a lot. It's been a year since then. Like, so tell us a little, give us a little bit of an update about uh, what's been happening at the SBI since. Yeah. So last year during COVID, uh, as we discussed in the, in the original podcast, uh, we actually moved our headquarters from the Sun and Fun grounds to Winter Haven, where we hope to build our uh, new headquarters building and uh, started working on new websites and started rethinking all the things that we could do without being on the road supporting trade shows and aviation events. So we kept the staff busy and uh, really started scratching our heads and doing some deep exploration of how we could provide more value and benefit to the seaplane community and our members. And uh, the new website, which took almost a year uh, wow. to produce, uh, came on a couple months ago, and uh, we've done a soft launch. We've got a lot of new technology still to be released after AirVenture when we get back and have some more time to work on it. And uh, we've redone our volunteer network. Uh, we've added scholarship programs, which we can talk about later, all kinds of things. So it's been an exciting period. We've really, uh, uh, that, as you and I were talking about, it was odd because most people were at home and not mobile. And, and a lot of people had extra time on their hands. And for us, we were busier than we've ever been. It's a bit of a circuit breaker, really, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah. that's how it played, I guess, to kind of re rethink about how you're doing things and um, change the way you're doing things a little bit. Obviously, the website there you mentioned uh, taking a year. Tell us about like, uh, you know, when we talk about a website, it's not like you're going, hey, Mr. Developer, here, can you please do this uh, for me? Uh, that's how much of an impact did you have on the website yourself? Well, um, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, which uh, I, I've coined a new term that probably uh, applies very well to me, which is perfection paralysis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, all the, all the copy, uh, all the writing, all the, you know, uh, copy that goes into the website, uh, quite honestly, is my voice or generated by our team, um, you know, and then it goes to an editor and then it goes to the, the programmer, the developer, if, if I don't put it in, but again, all the photos very specifically, uh, chosen or we had to acquire the exact photo we were looking to support that and we had to do some new things we hadn't done before like making an interactive map where you could click on the individual states or countries of the world to get information on those and right now you only see the united states and canada with the the territories uh where you can click on them but that will expand to a worldwide map where you can click on um, international countries as well, and you can get information about seaplane flying in their in their regions. So, uh, a lot of new things. Uh, we scanned every single publication that uh, the Seaplane Pilots Association has ever produced under the water flying title. So, going back 49 years of publications, and we digitally scanned everything, and we've made that entire library available to members. They can either look at it online or actually download it. 
And, and I guess that worldwide map's going to be great, mate. They can zoom in on Darwin, Australia and, and check out um, the mallard flying. Well, you know, we've said that before. Uh, I very much would like to expand our interaction with the Australian SPA and uh, provide more value to them because I, as one of the larger seaplane pilot populations in the world uh, outside of the U.S., um, it only makes sense for us to keep that relationship going and continue to do whatever we can to add value to what you guys are doing down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mentioned normally, you know, most episodes, um, I, I give you guys a shout out because, uh, you know, you're the biggest sponsor of the show and I appreciate your uh, you know, input that you, uh, that you provide to on the step and support. Um, one of the things that's changed since you and I spoke last time was um, you now have your own podcast and a lot of my listeners who, who listen to the intros, they don't skip straight to the interview, um, they're good listeners. Um, they would know that you have a podcast because I speak about it a fair bit. But um, tell us about how that's been going, mate. Like, um, I love that uh, your show uh, goes a bit more into education a bit more directly and talks about some, some really cool topics. Um, so tell us about you know, how you've been going with the podcast. Wow, it's been an amazing journey and thank you very much for planting that seed. <laughs> So My pleasure. It, it all started with On the Step uh, with our interview, which really made us to, again, uh, looking at how we could reach out and talk to the community and our members in a year of COVID when we weren't doing aviation events. So uh, you inspired us. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I actually meant to look at how many episodes we've done now. We've done an episode a week every single week since September 22nd of last year. And uh and so they release at 6 a.m. Eastern time um, in the United States every Wednesday morning. And it, it has been interesting. We've tried to balance the content with education uh, that is very specific to the seaplane operators, but also some geographic information, uh, talking to our volunteers. We want to get all of our board members on and all of our uh, volunteer advocates in the individual states. What are they flying? What do they see in their state? We really want it to be kind of a, uh, you know, an information source for the community, but we still want to do those personality pieces and historical pieces as well. It's just that, uh, you know, it's, it's a unique mix. And I think we're positioned interesting in an interesting way with that, with having our magazine and, you know, we just have such a finger on the pulse of what we're doing that it's really allowed us to have an amazing amount of um, potential content. That's awesome. Like, you know, being an SPA member, a um, bit of a plug obviously, but, you know, yeah. like getting the magazine sent, especially like in Australia, like I get a SPA water flying magazine sent straight to my door. I love the fact that then, you know, in the mail, I pick up my water flying magazine and go upstairs and read it. It's just, um, it's awesome. But then also to have that podcast back up to talk about some other topics uh, in depth and then they kind of seem to marry the, the the water flying magazine as well yeah you'll see a lot of stories that we feature in the magazine end up being a podcast as well so there's a mirror image there that actually builds on uh, what was in the magazine a little bit more and explores it a little bit further and uh, we just did that with this week's episode about the aviat husky that will be on the cover of the current issue that's at the printer right now yeah, that's cool. Awesome stuff. And, you know, I know personally how difficult it is to continue putting out um, episodes at a, at a, on a schedule. Uh, I'm struggling with that a fair bit now, especially now that since COVID has kind of 
changed a fair bit in our world and, and we're back to kind of doing a bit more charter work with the mallards and, and my schedule. Well, I've always mentioned this before as well. Having two two young kids still under 20-something months, ridiculous. Um, yes. keeps Keeps life very busy. So... You know, well done for you guys to, to keep up that um, schedule of one episode a week and uh, certainly episodes start racking up once you uh, stick to that schedule as well. So good on you guys. Um, it puts a since- lot of pressure on you, as you know, though, because, I mean, as we approach Air Venture, we need three weeks worth of shows in the bank. And uh, I have to, when we get off of this uh, episode, I have to go and load our, our episode for tomorrow uh, and upload it. Yeah. So it does put a lot of pressure on you. And a lot of people have asked me about starting their own podcast, and we've seen a couple come and go since we started ours. And I, you know, I caution them. You know, you need to be able to generate enough content. <laughs> yeah, it is difficult. Um, so, yeah, so good on you guys for doing that. So, since COVID as well, mate. Like, obviously, COVID initially. I don't want to harp too much on COVID, but you know, last year when we spoke, um, a lot of the SPA events were you know, being cancelled because of it. Um, tell us about what's been happening event-wise since kind of the COVID has kind of been pushed to the side a little bit and, you know, you're on the other end of it all. You know, Have you been getting to some more events? Have you been hosting more events on the American calendar? Well, I think the the biggest one that we've had so far here in the U.S. was Sun and Fun uh, back in April and that was a real yeah. uh, litmus test type of event. And quite honestly, the staff, um, our staff didn't even attend the event. We had some volunteers that were vaccinated that felt very adamant that, that we should have a presence there. And it was really hard because one of our board members is my equivalent that runs Sun and Fun. So it was a really difficult choice or decision for us to make. And we just wanted, you know, we needed to see a little bit more information. So the volunteers worked the show and attendance was you know, at normal or beyond. I, I understand that they actually broke some records on Saturday at Sun and Fun. And our results uh, in the booth for membership and sales, quite honestly, they set the all-time record. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, that really has opened our eyes to what we think we can expect at AirVenture. And uh, that Sun and Fun is the only event that we have attended up to this point. So AirVenture is the real next big test for us. But there are limitations even at at AirVenture where we do one of the biggest events at the show with our uh, Seaplane Pilots Association Corn Roast. And it is just amazing. It sells out. We're limited to about 750 people to attend. It sells out every single year. Live music. I think, you know, we normally go through about 18 kegs of beer in four hours. We have raffles and auctions and live music and guest speakers. We've had Bert Rutan. And, and, you know, a lot of other people, uh, Story Musgrave, you know, all kinds of people uh, at the event. And um, we're not going to be able to have it this year because while they are proceeding with the show, um, they are still restricting gatherings, large gatherings of people. So they've really curtailed the, um, the gatherings and that will affect our corn roast and much to our dismay, uh, but also – you know, to our safety, we're we're not going to be able to do it. So, so obviously, the topic of Oshkosh and Air Venture is um, is what we're all about now, and I want to hear all about what's going on this year um, at Air Adventure. But before we jump into that, mate, I, like for those of us 
unlucky folk out there who are listening, uh, including myself, who's talking right now, uh, who have never been to an air venture, to the <laughs> world's biggest air show. Tell us about what it's like um, in a seaplane aspect. It is uh, Nirvana. It is Mecca. It is uh, how many, <laughs> how many uh, adjectives can I use about air ventures? So. Yeah. You know, this is absolutely no exaggeration, and I would encourage the listeners to go do a, a Google search on the number of airplanes. You know, one of the Im do an image search of the airplanes on the field, um, and I'll talk about the field first. But there's literally ten thousand airplanes on the airport at one time. Ten thousand airplanes. It's insane. It's, it's like just talking about flying into AirVenture because I know that's a huge like thing for pilots isn't it like a you know to fly out of our rite of passage <laughs> yeah and it's like what every every 30 seconds i think or something that like they pass a waypoint to, or, to get into less yeah so you'll have multiple people generally they'll have uh two uh, parallel uh landing zones it might be a taxiway in the runway and so they repurpose a taxiway as a runway and then they might have some grass uh, that can be used as well but it is um uh, it is a, a major deal. Uh, you need to study the procedures. You need to do your homework. And if you're listening and you haven't done it and you are thinking of doing it, please do that because you'll yeah. save everyone else a lot of hardship. Uh, but it is. I mean, your eyes have to be on bat, you know, uh, swiveling in every direction. You have to be really cognizant of what you're doing. And, you know, it's funny because there will be crowds of people on the arrival uh end uh, of the runway and they just sit there, you know, just watching and it is a nonstop stream. And if, if I really was ambitious, I would go set up a streaming camera there so people could watch it because the flow of aircraft and the variety of aircraft is just unimaginable. I, I, I don't even know how to quantify it. <laughs> I need to get there. And so do all, all the listeners who have never been there before. We need to get over there. What about the, um, the seaplane aspect, though, because the seaplane, there's like a, a seaplane little area, isn't there, that on the water that people can get to, isn't there? Yeah, so I would venture to say it's probably the largest gathering of seaplanes anywhere in the world for an event. And, of course, you've got uh, Lake Hood in Alaska where you've got a lot of resident airplanes. But as far as a gathering of, of transient airplanes coming in, it's either Greenville, Maine um, for the international seaplane flying there or uh, AirVenture. But it's not uncommon to have over 100 airplanes in the water uh, at the seaplane base. So, and then you'll have another group of airplanes that have come in and uh, they'll base on the, on the airport. But, uh, you know, quite honestly, it's a lot more pleasant arrival uh, coming in in yeah. a seaplane because you can fly lower and you can avoid a lot of the traffic. There's a lot fewer seaplanes. So um, as a seaplane pilot, quite honestly, I find it a, le a lot less nerve wracking than going into the land airport. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they've got a great crew there that uh, monitors the radios and helps the pilots and um, they've got a really unique uh, mooring buoy solution. Uh, they've got a little harbor where they uh, uh, buoy uh, moor the airplanes to buoys, and they have boats that'll come and you you come in and um, come to a dock, and then they'll allow you to unload. They'll have fueling services there. Once your airplane is unloaded and you're ready to tighten it up uh, for your stay, 
or until you fly it again uh, during your visit to AirVenture. Uh, they will tow it out uh, with a John boat to a mooring buoy and they'll secure it for you. And uh, so most of the aircraft uh, will end up in the lagoon uh, on a mooring buoy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. How do you set up your arrival there? Like, do you have to register to be a, an incoming aircraft or can you just rock up on the day? Like, how's that all work? Uh, at the seaplane base, uh, well, at both, I mean, it, it's an arrive, uh, drive and arrive. So there's no necessarily prearrangements unless you're a warbird or you're going on display somewhere. So, you know, the display airplanes will typically come in earlier. There's nothing stopping you from coming in early or leaving late, which quite honestly, I would do uh, when I fly in. So, but no, there, there is no like list of expected arrivals now, especially at the seaplane base, you'll be coordinating with the crew there and the volunteers there, Mark Rassi and Tom Hickson, and there are almost 200 volunteers that support the seaplane base. You know, a lot of times people will be in communication with them before they arrive. They want to know, is there a caravan coming in or a beaver coming in or a J3 coming in? It's nice to know the kind of mix that are coming in. And it allows them to think about their parking solutions, things like that a little bit more. Speaking of aircraft coming into the seaplane base there, like if, stepping back a few years now, you had an incredible arrival with one of the biggest flying boats in the world. Were you there for that? I was for the Mars? Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> God, uh, it was amazing. So uh, I had wanted to go up to Sprout Lake to fly the Mars for a long time and hadn't made it up there. And then Having it come to AirVenture was was just amazing, and uh, I actually uh, went out to the aircraft when it was moored and uh, quite honestly just spent hours crawling over every inch of the airplane, and I was supposed to go on a flight, and uh, actually Harrison Ford <laughs> took my seat. I got bumped by Harrison Ford. Yeah, and, right. <laughs> and that was the flight that they ended up damaging the airplane, and... Uh, so uh, I didn't get my flight after that. <laughs> oh, bugger. Is that a claim to fame, mate, getting bumped by Harrison Ford? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was so stoked after just crawling around the airplane yeah. and spending a lot of time with their crew. And it, it's such an amazing airplane. And, and you know, I, it, just a dream come true just to even be in the presence of the aircraft. And... Uh, Thankfully, we we did, and again, I, I missed out on this flight because we were driving our show package back, but when they actually did the temporary repair, one of our field directors, uh, Karen Stimwell, actually got to go with the crew to fly it back to Sprout, and they actually lost the patch um, on takeoff, and so they had to fly all the way from AirVenture back to Sprout Lake uh, in British Columbia nonstop. And I think she got like eight hours of stick time in the in the Mars as a result because the crew was like, you can fly it. You know, we're tired. We've had a long show. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me. How did I miss out on that flight? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I think I, I think Peter Killen told me about that in the episode I did with him about the, the Mars, that whole patch situation. And, you know, I've had to repair a beaver underwater <laughs> before that had, had a hole in it in the float from hitting a reef and... Obviously, I was with an engineering team, but the the amount of effort going into that, you know, with dive gear and you know underwater drilling and riveting, and you know, it was um, quite interesting. I could only imagine that doing it on a Martin Mars must have been <laughs> yeah. really hard. But they they did it and uh, got the thing airborne again, and yeah, amazing story. 
I, I think, you know, the, the funny part about it was, is the airplane is so big and the, the draft is so large on the aircraft that at one point, you know, we were looking at options. What are we going to do with the airplane? And I don't think it was a bad option to even, if, if we just needed to stop and pause and rethink, if the airplane would have sunk to the bottom, it still wouldn't have been up to the level of the door. So wouldn't have been <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people would have walked past. People would have walked past and just been like, "Look at that airplane! Isn't that amazing?" You're like, "That that airplane is sunk right now. It's <laughs> it's on the bottom." So yeah, those are the kind of stories that you get out of air venture and and these wild seaplane escapades that mean so much. And and just knowing the backstory is, as you know, I mean, this is what the podcast brings out to the to the other listeners, and it it's great to be able to share this stuff for the people that don't kind of see all the. You know, wild stuff like the, the fire truck showing up to help pump the water out of the hull and, uh, you know, stuff like that that are going on. And, and there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And these volunteers, you know, AirVenture, while EAA is a, you know, a, a paid uh, pilot organization like us where you pay to be a member, really the heavy lifters of, of any of these aviation events, whether it's Sun and Fun or Greenville or AirVenture, they're volunteers, and, and when it comes to AirVenture, it's thousands of volunteers. Seaplane base, 200 volunteers at the AirVenture Seaplane Base. And really, the people that deserve the most credit for uh, allowing, giving us the gift of these events are all the volunteers that invest, you know, so much of their time to make it happen. Yeah, that's crazy. What, you know, what kind of input do you have to the Seaplane Base um, as being part of the Seaplane Pilots Association? Is it do you have any input or is it all EAA running the whole show there? Well, it's interesting. I mean, it it really is EAA's turf. It's EAA's event. The seaplane base is only an active seaplane base for the week of AirVenture. Uh, the rest of the year, it is not an operational seaplane base. It's private property. And uh, thankfully, the family who owns the property has been amazingly generous to make this happen year after year. And uh, so it is EAA's territory, but there is a really nice relationship growing. Number one, we share a very good relationship with EAA. I'm a lifetime member of EAA, and uh, the staff of, of EAA have been incredibly cooperative with SPA on issues. But now we have a situation where the chairman of the Seaplane Base and the co-chairman, Tom Hickson, uh, Mark Rassi and Tom Hickson, are literally two of our top volunteers. So the ver- the leadership of the Seaplane Base are also very active in volunteering for the Seaplane Pilots Association, which is really a nice situation because uh, it allows us to really work together more than we've ever done before. So it seems like every year we're working closer together and and our presence has increased. And, you know, we're doing things like this year, every day at 11 a.m., we're going to have someone fall off an airplane in the lagoon and do a live, you know, deployment of a PFD so people can see what they can expect when they deploy a PFD in the water. And we've really never had that level of kind of cooperation and working together before, which is, you know, it's really nice to watch that evolve and, and kind of go where it's been going. How far is the, the seaplane base from the kind of main airport area? Like what kind of walking distance is it if you were, you know, walking around the main areas of air venture like to get to the seaplane base? No, it's not walking distance, number one. Okay, right on. <laughs> so uh, there are uh, buses uh, that run from the main show continually uh, to the okay. seaplane base. So they have a bus stop uh, just outside the main display area uh, at the main show. And there's a constant 
you know, a fleet of buses making that that trip. It's about a 10 to 12 minute drive over to the seaplane base. Okay. And um, they also have a parking lot. So you can go over there and park your car as well as well so they you know you can actually show up directly they also have a campground which is really nice uh, the, a lot of the volunteers and a lot of the attendees who fly in will actually camp um, at the seaplane base and one of the things that mark Razzi has done is he's actually put in sewer and power and water uh for travel camper you know for travel trailer campers as well so they've even got an rv uh, kind of parking area the the volunteers get first dibs on it but uh you know, people can even potentially bring in an RV and park it there and have full services. Oh, you guys do stuff so well over there. It's just, <laughs> I'm so jealous right now. This <laughs> keeps getting better and better. So where do you, where does the Seaplane Pilot Association set up a tent and where do they set up their, their shop basically for, for the week of, of air venture? So we actually have two locations uh, and normally we have three with the corn roast. Uh, but uh, at the seaplane base, there's a little lagoon and there's only five or six vendors. It's uh, a very small vendor affair at the seaplane base. So you'll have Whip Air. Uh, they have a little uh, cabin and they'll have an aircraft there. Matter of fact, the Husky uh, that we just flew last week uh, will be in the Whip Air display. And then Aeroset will have a tent as well. Uh, generally, there might be a flight score to Claymore floats, generally as a display, Aircam, uh, Icon. Progressive Aerodyne, they've all had some uh, displays there and aircraft there where they're doing demo flights or or uh, kind of performance flights showing off the performance of the aircraft. But there's not a lot of vendors there. The thing that's really unique about the seaplane base, it, it's a completely different speed from AirVenture. I mean, the, the main show is absolute madness. You know, half a million people on the airport, 10,000 airplanes, as we've said, all the vendors, thousands of vendors, whether they're food vendors or aviation vendors, you know, display aircraft. There's so much going on. It's it's complete sensory overload. And what's really beautiful is when you go to the seaplane base, it's a tree canopied park, essentially. Um, it's a very laid back area. There's a lot fewer people. There's a lot, you know, less noise and, and other things going on. And there's a lot less bombardment of your senses. And so what we always say, it's just a beautiful place to go relax and get away from, you know, get a little sanctuary from the main show when you need it. So, uh, it's a little park like atmosphere. Like I said, there's a, a tent where we have events in normal years. We will do a town hall meeting there on Thursday instead of the, the corn roast that we normally do. It'll be a smaller event without all the food and, and other services that we do. Um, but it, it's very relaxed. It's a lot more casual. Um, you find more of the hardcore seaplane people there that are owner operators. And we have a 10 by 30 tent there, actually. So we have a, a fairly large presence there. And we have a nice board that, that shows you all of our lifetime members. And we'll have a fairly big re retail display. And you'll be happy to know we have a flying boat for this year's show uh, shirt that we do. We do a different shirt every year. So we have a Boeing 314 this year for our shirt. And it's just a good place to, you know, when I'm there, we can do podcasts, we can do videos, we can do interviews. We're going to be interviewing the two founders of the Seaplane Pilots Association this year. They're going to be at the Seaplane base, probably potentially the last time they'll ever be there together. So we're going to go out and, and do an interview with them. We've never had them together where we could 
tell the story from from their point of view of of the creation of the Seaplane Pilots Association. So that'll be nice. And there's just an amazing number of airplanes um, that you can take a look at. And one of the things that they've really done a good job with, which we thought was threatened, but I hear it may be possible that they're going to do it, is they literally have pontoon boats with tour guides and you can get on the pontoon boat and they go on tours where you go through all the aircraft that are moored in the lagoon and your your boat captain will tell you about all the aircraft. That is a great idea. So uh, so it is a must-attend event. And we had a bunch of your guys. Uh, matter of fact, we hosted them at the house and had a dinner with them. A lot of uh, Keith and uh, I think Malcolm and maybe a yeah. couple of guys uh, came visited us a couple of years ago. That's awesome. Yeah, go the Aussies. Mate, <laughs> one thing I want to talk about there is you mentioned that the seaplane base is just so much quieter and everything compared to the airport. Isn't that just the, the way with seaplanes? Aren't, aren't seaplanes just so much more relaxed and chilled out in the environments we go to? You know, we go to beaches, we go to these beautiful little lagoon areas on lakes or whatever. Like, seaplanes are so much cooler anyway. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that boat idea is great, mate. That that that's a really cool little you know thing that you can do um, to go around because you know imagine all those planes out like not really accessible to see up close and everything. So I'm surprised it hasn't been thought of before. So that's that's cool that they'll be doing that. There's not a lot of events where you have enough airplanes where you can actually do a tour of the airplanes that are moored in the water. I mean that's yeah. a unique situation. So. Yeah, that's. That's very cool. And I imagine like maybe a lot of them would, would be amphibs and on display at the main show anyway, I guess. But it'd be still cool to kind of go around and see some see some more aeroplanes and go for a little boat ride. Everyone loves a boat ride. Absolutely. Um, you talked about like uh, going on like a trial trial flights for some like, you know, Icon or um, the Air Cam. Like h- how would people arrange it? Is, is that what they do while they're there? Like can, can a prospective buyer come in and and look at maybe um, going for a fly on one of these aircraft if, if they're interested at the event? Yeah, so I know from AirCam's perspective, and hopefully, you know, I hate to rep- talk about another company's, you know, operations or potentials because, like, God forbid I say anything wrong, but I know, you know, <laughs> when it comes to, like, AirCam, um, there is actually an ultra-light grass runway separate from everything else at the main show, and you'll have a lot of the the ultralights and and the other aircraft and the air cam and the just and and things like that will operate off this uh, grass runway. So generally there'll be an air cam on wheels doing demo flights over there, and there generally is one on display. Sometimes it's available. I'm sure if you were really serious, uh, we could you know they they would make sure that a flight would happen. And this is a big year for the air cam because last year was their 25th anniversary of the airplane. Uh, be, you know, being designed and, and brought uh, to reality. And so this year they're having a 25 year plus one celebration at AirVenture with the AirCam because uh, they couldn't celebrate last year. And it, it's also really significant in the fact that Phil Lockwood did actually designed the airplane not to bring it to market, but as a request from the National Geographic looking for incredibly safe airplane for camera crews to go to the amazing jungle canopies that National Geographic goes to, and they wanted an airplane that when they were flying over an incredibly dense canopy or a hazardous area, that if they lost an engine or it had, you know, would have complete redundancy, so their photographer and their crew were going to be well protected. 
And that aircraft, that very first aircraft is actually hanging up in the EA museum. So that's, you know, kind of, again, some of that backstory that's, if you're, you know, an aviation nerd or a seaplane nerd, um, you know, this kind of stuff lights your fire. <laughs> One of the other things that's happening at Oshkosh this year is um, the pre- world premiere of uh, the flying boat film, mate. Um, everyone has been kind of on edge for the last couple of years following uh, the progress of this uh, film that's being made. And, um, you know, just recently they've sort of to get their Instagram back up and running after kind of deleting all of their posts. Everyone was like, what's going on with Flying Boat Film? I was getting heaps of messages myself saying, do you know what's happened with Flying Boat Film? And now they've kind of come back in the last couple of months, restarted reposting, and now the world premiere is going to be at uh, Oshkosh this year, mate. Uh, do you have much involvement with that or you know, are you excited to see the film yourself, being an Albatross oh. man as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, we, you know, uh, it's interesting because the project has been around quite a while and we do get involved in a lot of productions. Uh, we Most recent one, well, we've got a request right now to do a uh, project down in Mexico to, to help them with seaplanes in Mexico. Recently, it hasn't even come out yet, but we had the airplane uh, just seven miles away for the longest time. But uh, there'll be a Cessna 185 on floats in the next James Bond movie. And um, we, you know, worked with a production company to arrange that. So I always li- like working on movies. It's kind of my background in television shows. And they came to us many years ago and our workload was just, it was on, you know, we just couldn't make it happen at the time. But it's really nice to see it because Tom Casey, who's been really involved in the project, was at my wedding with his albatross when we got married and, you know, an albatross in flight. And so, uh, yeah, I know all the players. I've actually flown an airplane or two that that was involved in the project. And uh, uh, I'm anxious. I'll be there at the premiere on Sunday night, I think it is, uh, around 6 or 7 o'clock on Sunday night, actually the the night before the show starts. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and just stepping back there, for anyone listening for the first time of your voice, Steve, uh, that is correct. You did hear it uh, correct there. Steve <laughs> did get married in the back of an albatross. And we talked about that in his, his first episode of On The Step almost a year ago in August. So if you want to hear more about Steve getting married in an albatross and then was it Steve, seven albatrosses rocking up to your wedding? Yeah, we had uh, at least six in the water, and I think the most we ever counted at the airport was like 14 of all flying albatrosses in one place at one time, and then we had six in the water at the wedding and 20 seaplanes. I I think I I threatened a divorce for my wife last time we spoke (laughs) because I said, that's the kind of wedding I wanted, so we have to get remarried. And I don't Um, mean throw that out there, but it is pretty cool, and and it's been wonderful to enjoy that memory for, you know, 20 years years now uh, we just celebrated our 20th year anniversary and and it's just uh um you know just an amazing thing again to dream of this your whole life to to have such a passion for seaplanes and aviation and you know what i think is really important about these podcasts and telling these stories is letting people know that you need to dream big and you need to pursue those dreams and and the albatross wedding was a perfect example of that and I love telling the story, not to brag. What really gives me great peace in telling the story and, and satisfaction in telling these stories is I just want to inspire other people. I was no different than anyone else. I didn't have a big bankroll. I didn't come from an aviation family. I just had an unquenchable thirst for seaplanes and aviation. 
go out there and chase it. And, and, you know, I look up to you, you're, you're sitting there flying mallards. I'm such a flying boat fan and you're down there, you know, all too many days I'm sitting here flying a desk working, um, you know, 90% of this job is, is flying a desk and working at a desk and not flying airplanes. But boy, the 10% where you are pretty amazing. Yeah. That's one of the things I always try to put out there. You know, I get a lot of questions on Instagram, especially saying like, you know, I just got one the other day. He said, uh, you know, I'm 45 and I'd love to kind of get into float flying. You know, would you recommend it? And I said, mate, anyone can get into float flying at any stage in their career. It's those who have the most passion, you know, that will go the furthest really. Yeah. Uh, chase your passion. I mean, you know, you can watch your, watch your life away watching TV and watching video and doing social media and things like that. Go out there and live it you know, dream big and, and go out there and make them happen. And, you know, that's what I've really enjoyed because there's endless stories, you know, flying around Australia, coming down there and getting to take a, a you know, steerman and raising money for the Royal Flying Doctors down there. Another dream come true to come then and see more of Australia than I would have ever imagined. So um, I'll, I don't mean to preach on that, but go out there and do it. Uh, you deserve it. And you're Life is so much better uh, going out and chasing these aviation dreams. So uh, do it. Anything else, mate, you wanted to touch on with uh, with Oshkosh? Anything um, that you've got there that in the in the plans or anything else that we can reveal on the show today about why people should come and, and see you at the, the booth at uh, Oshkosh there at all? Well, you know, we're always pushing safety items both on our podcast and we've talked about it on your podcast and, and with the gathering down there uh, that you just had, talking about the importance of PFDs and safety devices, personal flotation devices. I just had a conversation with one of my neighbors that has an airplane and he was telling me about putting ski vests on the airplane to go fly over water. And of course, that unleashed the beast in me to, to give him a lecture on the proper PFDs that he needs and that he needed to come talk to me and, and get an education on that. But, you know, one of the things that I think is a real tragedy is that we we talk about personal flotation devices and how important they are. And most people have never had the opportunity to deploy one or see one deployed. So they really don't know what to expect when they need it in an emergency. And I'm a huge proponent of learning how to use your equipment before you need it. So one of the things we're going to do with this year's air venture is at 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. every day at the main show booth, so we'll be in Hangar C, and it's booth 3000 and 3001. Uh, we'll be doing a deploy, and we'll do it randomly as, as people demand it as well. But every day at 11 and 2 during the show, we'll do a deploy of a PFD at the main booth, at the main show. And then at 11 a.m. every day at the seaplane base, we plan to have someone actually fall off a seaplane taxiing by and actually doing a water deploy. And I think it's really important. The more people that we can actually expose to this, um, it it helps educate people on the importance of these PFDs and what they can expect. So, um, you know, little things like that. We do a lot of forums. I'll be doing a Seaplanes 101 and Essentials for Seaplane Safeties Forum, um, the Ultimate Outdoor Adventure Vehicle, which is kind of just sharing stories about how the public perceives and how seaplanes are presented in the media for consumption by the public, whether it's Fantasy Island or James Bond or you know, all the, all the ways that uh, Indiana Jones, you know, this adventure, romance, and exotic destination theme that the media tends to associate seaplanes with that I think the general public also does. And then we explore, you know, well, does that work in reality in, in this potential or this particular forum, which I really have a, it's kind of a walk-in to our community, which is always a fun one. And we'll be doing EA radio and we'll be doing some video shows and, and things like that. And 
like I said, in lieu of not having our corn roast, we will be doing a town hall meeting as well on Thursday night at the Seaplane Base. Uh, great stuff, mate. Well, Steve, it's been great catching up again, mate. I really appreciate uh, you coming back on the show here and, and giving us a good update about uh, what's been happening at the SPA and uh, what's going on this year at, at AirVenture. Thanks very much, mate, for coming back on The Step. Thank you for having us. And that's the show for today, folks. Thanks to Steve for sharing everything about this year's AirVenture and taking the time out of his very busy schedule to catch up once again. Now, if you're going to the show this year, folks, enjoy it, have fun, learn lots, experience heaps, and spot some cool seaplanes, including the Mallard that is there this year. I'm super jealous. Wish I could see you all there, hopefully next year. But for now, folks, thanks for coming on The Step. <laughs>